Welcome to Declaration Life. Thanks for tuning in. I'm your host, Christabel Braden, and I'm so excited you're here. On today's episode, we'll be talking with Ashley Bellinger, a functional nutritional therapy practitioner. Ashley shares her personal story of battling Lyme disease and how she learned the power of holistic living, which ultimately saved her life. Through her journey, she was inspired to learn more and become certified in functional nutrition. Today, Ashley shares some great advice on nutrition, decreasing your body's exposure to toxins, and how to start taking small steps to intentionally reclaim your health. So I'm not giving up. Live a declaration life. Declare your purpose. Declare your place. Declare your worth. Before we jump into the interview, I wanted to share today's declaration. What is that? Well, on each episode, I'm going to start with a declaration that you can take, speak over your life, and remind yourself of this week. Write it in your journal, put it on a sticky note on your mirror, or a place where you'll see it as a reminder to yourself. Because what you tell yourself matters. And living a declaration life is all about living with intention, purpose, and declaring truth. Today's declaration. I am worthy of taking care of myself. I am worthy of making strong choices. I can take small steps, one at a time, towards improving my health. I know that I personally have fallen into that mindset and habit of feeling like, you know, well, I've already made these poor choices towards my health, whether it's eating junk food or whatever it is. And you just kind of get in that mentality, like I've already sunk into this. And so what's the point in trying to change? And it can just be overwhelming. And I just want to remind you and also remind myself that we are worthy of taking care of our bodies and living in a better way. Every single person's journey is different. Your journey is not the same as my journey, isn't the same as somebody in your family or the person next to you or your best friend, but we're all human and we all are on this journey together in some way. And so today I was so encouraged by this interview that you are about to hear with Ashley. She is super inspiring and she's just going to share some things that can really encourage you on making these small steps towards changing your life one little thing at a time. So for the declaration today, I just wanted to say it was something that Ashley encouraged me on during the interview, which you're about to hear, is that I'm worthy of taking care of myself. So repeat that, remind yourself this week when you look in the mirror, you are worthy. You're worthy of taking care of yourself. Your life matters. Your story matters. God has a plan and a purpose for you. And you are alive in this place at this time for a reason. Ashley Bellinger is a functional nutritional therapy practitioner. She struggled with migraines that started in her 20s and continued to face ongoing health struggles while teaching third grade. She was finally diagnosed with late-stage neurological Lyme disease and 30 co-infections after six years of searching for answers to over 75 daily symptoms. During her diagnosis journey, Ashley turned to holistic medicine after getting little answers from Western medicine. Her own health adventures have shown her that there is hope. Ashley recently graduated as a functional nutritional therapy practitioner while working at the Functional Neurology Center which aligns perfectly with her passion for functional medicine. She also volunteers for Twin Cities Lyme Foundation in her home state of Minnesota, where her and her husband, Jacob, live. I am so excited to be here with Ashley Bellinger. She is amazing. You are in for a treat. Hi, Ashley. Hello. Thank you for having me. Thank you for being on. So I met Ashley out in Minnesota when I traveled out there to get some brain injury treatment from the Functional Neurology Center. And I went there to be treated by Dr. Schmo, and Ashley was there. Um, Can I say you work in the office? Yeah. She works there? Yeah, she she works in the office there. And... I, she was so sweet and so kind and reconnected and everything. And then I've been following her on Instagram and she is, do you say functional nutritional? I am a functional nutritional therapy practitioner. It's a mouthful. All right. 
<laughs> functional nutritional therapy practitioner. Yes. And so I noticed she has been sharing the most amazing things on her Instagram. I just love following her. I've learned so much about just the way the body works, the way nutrition can help heal your body. And so I wanted her to come on here and share some of her insight and information, but also she's also a Lyme disease warrior. And so she's willing to share some of her story, personal journey, as well as some tips for all of you guys. So Ashley, I'd love to start by just asking you, what has your journey looked like when it comes to Lyme and what led you to want to start learning about nutrition? So for me, everything started, I got really sick in was actively seeking for answers for six years. But if I back up even before that, I had migraines that started in my early 20s. And I was always told by doctors that they were hereditary because my mom has suffered or had suffered in the past from migraines. So I didn't think anything of it. I just kept going until they got to the point where they began to be really debilitating and last for a couple days, two weeks at a time. So that's when I really started looking for answers, and I saw my mom's neurologist because my mom at that time was diagnosed with MS, and he said the same thing, that it just ran in the family. So during my time teaching, my health progressively got worse to the point where I had a hard time even having a simple conversation like this, where I would get so winded that I would be breathing and huffing and puffing like I just ran a mile or two. So that was kind of one symptom that started. And then progressively after that, you know, I would forget things in the middle of teaching in order to describe a simple object like a pencil or a pen. I would say to my students, grab that thing that you write with, that thing that you can get rid of it after you write it. And they would look at me and they they thought it was funny and a joke because I would try to play it off like, It's something funny. I want to get your attention because they're third graders or at the time they're third graders. And so my word recall became horrendous or I would walk into a room and I wasn't aware of why I was there. Or at one point I can laugh about it now, but I couldn't find my cell phone. And so I was looking everywhere and I had my husband call it and we found it in the fridge. Why I put my cell phone in the fridge? I don't know. So symptoms began to creep up and I was going to doctors and asking for every test I could think of. I went to Google, and I know people say not to Google your symptoms, but at that point, that was the only thing that helped me because I wasn't getting any any other answers. Doctors told me that it was in my head. They wanted to prescribe depression medication, anxiety medication, and I was trying to explain to them that these symptoms aren't normal. You know, at that point, I was 25, and I used to get up anywhere between 4.30 and 5 to do the gym in the morning before teaching and then spend, you know, 8 to 10 hours in my classroom. And I was like, this is, you know, I wouldn't want this. I'm not making this up, I promise. So at one point I brought in a calendar and I think it was two to three months. And every single day I would take my temperature because I felt like I had a fever every day. And um, I later found out that people with Lyme They um, often run their temperatures a lot lower than the average person. So if I ran a typical like 98.6, that meant I usually had a fever. But I didn't find that out until later. So this calendar for two or three months had every single food item that I ate, any symptoms I had, how much sleep I got, if I exercised, how my emotions were, any supplements I took, how much water I would intake. Because I was going to all these doctors and I was like, okay, here's all my info. What can we find out? How can we find out what's going on? So eventually, um, after a trip to the Mayo, you know, uh, unneeded sinus surgery, um, my cousin was diagnosed with Lyme disease as well. And she said, you know, I really think that you have this. And I was like, are you sure? I've been tested and nothing came back. Um, which I later found out that the blood tests for Lyme disease are maybe 50% accurate. So if you get a negative on them, that does not necessarily mean you don't have Lyme disease or co-infections. So I went to her doctor, and I came out with a Lyme disease diagnosis and 31 other infections. And then he also, I know, I was like, okay, I didn't want to be an overachiever, but I I guess here we go. (laughs) 
Um, and that wow. doctor also asked about the health of siblings in my mom. And I explained that my mom has MS, but considering she's doing well. And he's like, nope, she needs to get in here. And I'm like, what do you mean? He's like, she has Lyme. I was like, no, because this was all very new and foreign. So I finally convinced my mom and sister to go in. Turns out they both have it. Turns out my mom's MS was actually late-stage neurological Lyme, which is a common misdiagnosis for a lot of people. Not saying that every MS case is Lyme, but there's a lot of research behind that that may or may not at some point prove that every person with MS possibly has Lyme. That's really interesting. I know. The more I learn about it, the more mind-blowing it really is. So yeah, they were both diagnosed. We found out that my sister and I got it in utero, which was another mind-blowing piece to this puzzle. That took about six years to finally get a diagnosis. And then at that point, everything I had read about getting to remission with Lyme sounded near impossible because there were people that die from it daily. So I was like, well, if I could just get to like maybe 50, 60%, that would be amazing. Because mm-hmm. at that point in my life, I didn't know my own name. I didn't know how old I was. Yeah. I didn't know my phone number. So eventually I did get to remission. Wow. You know, I do want to say having a brain injury, mm-hmm. a lot of the symptoms are very similar. What you described earlier about walking to a room, not knowing you're there, you know, putting your phone in the refrigerator, things like that, being all mixed up, that is very, there's a lot in common with traumatic brain injury and the symptoms that you're describing of Lyme and the memory loss and the brain fog and all of that. And I know a lot of our listeners probably are brain injury survivors because a lot of people follow Hope After Head Injury. um, And I'm hoping they popped over to this podcast (laughs) as well. (laughs) So if you're from home after head injury, hi, so glad you're here. But I appreciate the way you're able to express a lot of those symptoms because, you know, so many times we go through all of that and because it's invisible, you feel crazy Mm -hmm. and nobody can see it. Like you said, even doctors don't understand. And so you understand that aspect of having an invisible illness an invisible injury and the struggle that comes with that. Yeah, and I think that for me was really helpful when I started working at the Functional Neurology Center because a lot of times, you know, in in any situation, people will joke and, you know, I'd be at the grocery store and there'd be times where I'm about to pass out or I didn't understand, okay, produce is in, you know, this section of the store or I'd have my grocery list in front of me if I could that day actually make a grocery list and I wouldn't know where to go. And so people around you look at you like, what's wrong with you? Or are you okay? Or I even had someone joke one day, like, are you drunk? Have you been drinking? I'm like, no, like not even close. I wish I could say that my issues were caused by something I did to myself because then I would know how to stop it. So having gone through everything I did and learning that a lot of concussion and TBI symptoms are similar from work to what I experienced, it helped me put myself in other people's shoes that would come into work because when they tell their stories, it gives me chills. And there's a lot of times at the beginning where I would be in tears because I knew what that was like. I know that feeling of not being believed. I know that feeling of completely losing who you are emotionally, spiritually, and physically, and not knowing how to get back there and losing your sense of self because of all those things that are gone or having to learn how to relearn how to do basic functions. Like, You have to learn how to make a to-do list again. You have to learn how to fold laundry again. At one point, I had to, you know, learn how to have a relationship again because so many natural things are gone. And it was like at some point someone could turn the light off and everything was gone. I was just like a blank canvas and I had no idea what's going on. So even though I could semi-converse, there's still nothing going on, you know, cognitively. So... That was really helpful for me to have gone through it to deal with and work with people that come in because I really, truly knew how they felt. Well, I don't want to say how they felt. Everyone's experience is different, but I could relate to their symptoms. Yeah, you could relate. Yes. Yep. Even within brain injury, every everybody's different and yep. every journey is different. But you, you do kind of know how someone feels when they are dealing with memory loss and or symptoms like that. Yeah, and even just the emotional aspect, because 
when people come in, I could recognize that tired and defeated look and just letting them know it's okay. You are not crazy and you're not alone. And well, I may not understand what you're going through in this very moment. I understand some of those feelings that are associated with it. And also my journey taught me to really do a better job of thinking and doing a shout out to the caregivers because when I was so sick, I didn't understand what my husband was going through because my physical symptoms were all I could think about. I mean, for me to walk from our bed to the shower, I usually had to sit down in between or for me to take a shower without sitting on the floor because I was so sick and the inability to physically stand or hold my arms up to wash my hair. Mm -hmm. So little things like that help me to see those caregivers that come in and really acknowledge them and just say, I see you and I see the work that you are doing and how you are an integral part of helping them get better and whether or not they're able to express it right now, your like whatever your presence means the world to them. Oh, that's really great. And I bet they really appreciate you being able to understand and be that kind voice to them. So you've expressed a lot of your struggles in figuring out that you had Lyme. So how did you get from there to where you are now? And how did nutrition play a part in it? So within my journey, before I had an official diagnosis, I started looking into essential oils. And I know that People are going to be like, oh, you know, snake oils, it's a joke because my husband thought I was like crazy. <laughs> and I was like, no, I had watched the documentary called Stink, S-T-I-N-K, um, exclamation point. And that documentary talked about all the toxins in our personal care products, cleaners, and anything you use in the home, like your makeup. And it really got me thinking. So I came home from the movie theater that day and I threw out every personal care product we had that had toxins in it. And my husband looked at me and he's like, I know you don't feel well, sweetheart, but what are you doing? And so I was like throwing all these facts at him and explaining how your body, you know, think of it like a garbage can or a garbage disposal. If you're constantly throwing trash in there and the garbage disposal can't process it and get rid of it, it's going to get clogged. So I said, think of your body like that. If we're constantly putting toxins in our body and it's not able to excrete them, They're just going to be floating around within your body. So that was the first thing. And then I didn't realize that our food also contains a lot of toxins. So that was then another avenue. So my journey to eliminate toxins in our home and in our food probably, I mean, it's still ongoing now, but it's probably been since I would say 2014-ish. So it wasn't, everyone looks at me and they're like, oh, you are so healthy Yes, but this has been an ongoing process, so I don't want anyone to look at where I am now and be terrified to start. That's a really good point. Yeah, it wasn't anything that happened overnight. I mean, unless you you know, are financially, unless you're really wealthy, it's hard to do everything at once. So I, would st- I started with our personal care products, and I got rid of those and found better options. And even something as simple as changing out your deodorant. It takes a little bit for your body to get used to natural products or you to find something you like. So I always say pick one thing, find something that you like, and then move on to another product. But changing out all those things really didn't hit me until I got my Lyme diagnosis. And two different Lyme doctors told me, had I not made the changes to switch over personal care products, cleaners, and at that point I was in the middle of food, so I wasn't very far into the food process They said you would be completely bedridden and in a wheelchair. Wow, that's big. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so if that, and I was, I sat there and I looked at my husband because he came with me and I was just like waiting. I was like, see, I promise I wasn't crazy. I knew there was a reason behind it. It really was a game changer for me. Wow. So how did that lead you into wanting to study nutrition and functional nutritional therapy? The more I got down the path, the more I found out that common things that everyone has in their home can really be harmful for you, especially if you're someone who has a chronic illness, a disease, or any type of inflammation, or a brain injury, things like that. There are things we can do that we're often told, okay, well, you're going to have to live with that symptom forever, when in reality, there's a lot of things we can do to help it. And I look at it as a lot of people will wear a seatbelt to help when they're in the car in case there's an accident. 
Does that mean you're going to have an accident? No, but you're taking a precaution in case there is one. So I look at changing out the things in our food and our products in the same way. Does that mean that, you know, say, okay, I have Lyme, my husband does not, but does that mean he's going to get a chronic illness? No, but it's a preventative thing to help him so that if he ever comes up against something, his body is strong enough to fight whatever it is that he's up against. Whereas obviously my body wasn't strong enough to fight the inflammation and the infections that came my way. So it took me down a lot faster. So to me, it's a preventative thing. Yeah, that makes sense. So all that being said, I did have a couple questions about nutrition and toxins and all of these things that it seems so overwhelming at first, but I wanted to ask you just some simple explanations and tips to help our listeners to start working to implement some of these things into their lives. The first question that I had was, are, well, I know there are, but (laughs) what are things that contribute to stress and headaches and What are some of like environmental things that contribute to that? And what's a simple thing that our listeners can start to do to help with putting less stress on their body? So inflammation can be caused by um, stress, any type of toxin, whether that's in products that you use, water that you drink, or food that you are eating, or even something as simple as the air in your home. I know most people know about the basics, like you don't want to live in a home with, you know, black mold and things like that because you're breathing that in. But simple things, if you're, you know, behind a bus where the exhaust and the fumes, those are things that a lot of people encounter daily. And a lot of times that just happens and you can't necessarily avoid that every single day. So I look at it as if I can do the best within my control to help my body, then when I encounter things outside, so maybe I have to drive behind a bus and I'm smelling the fumes for a little bit, that my body is strong enough where when it encounters that, it won't have a reaction. So depending on the person, some people want to start with their food and some people want to start with their personal care products. I would say for me, I would suggest starting with your food Because if you have a chronic illness or something going on, a lot of times the food you're eating can cause inflammation. So looking at, for me, now again, remember this is me after years, I try to make sure all my food's organic because there's a lot of chemicals sprayed on food. And if you can't do all all organic, I would suggest looking up something called the Dirty Dozen. And that just explains to you the different types of fruits and vegetables that are more susceptible to absorbing any pesticides that are sprayed on them. So it'll say, okay, if you could only get these certain fruits and vegetables in organic, pick these first over the other ones. So that was helpful to me at the beginning. I would also suggest a lot of people look at gluten and dairy because those with chronic illnesses or concussions or TBIs likely, and again, I'm not a doctor, so I'm not saying every person has this, but they're likely to have leaky gut and dairy and Gluten will cause inflammation within your gut lining, which is going to cause discomfort. But again, it's going to cause a never-ending cycle of inflammation. So if you're constantly eating those foods, it's like your body can't ever continually heal because you're constantly throwing things at it that it doesn't like. That makes a lot of sense. Mm -hmm. So gluten and dairy would be two that I would look at if someone wants to phase things out. Yeah. And I would also suggest starting with maybe one thing at a time. Because I know for myself, I kind of have a go big or go home attitude. So I took out gluten, dairy, sugar, soy. Um, what was it? Legumes, any type of grain all at once. And if you're someone who has an underlying health condition or your body is really toxic, meaning it has a lot of stuff that it hasn't been able to excrete, you're not going to feel good when you take everything out at once. That makes sense not to overdo it. Yeah, don't do it. It's not fun. So start with one thing. (laughs) That that actually makes a lot of sense. I like I like what you're saying about, you know, doing it at your own pace, at what works for you. Yes. Um, I cut out dairy probably about a year and a half ago because I was having digestive issues. And so I have had no dairy for a while and now I'm looking into, okay, now I probably should start cutting out gluten. And I've reduced sugar, um, trying to only have natural sugars. But, you know, it is a lot. It's a lot to do at once. I also 
from a lot of what I've learned from following you as well, I know that uh, how foods and inflammation, I found a book on Amazon, like the anti-inflammation diet. There's like a whole bunch of books about that. I found one for beginners and it has a whole list of the inflammatory foods, what to eat, what not to eat, and meal ideas and recipes. That's kind of a simple thing I'm trying to implement. Just being aware of what I'm eating. I'm kind of new to trying to figure all this out, but I've one of the things that I found has helped is just being aware, knowing, okay, this is inflammatory, this is not inflammatory, and trying to limit the things that can be inflammatory and trying to eat more of the anti-inflammatory type foods. And so just making, you know, just more awareness about what goes into your body can, I I find is helpful. Well, and that's huge that you are open to that because once you start learning about it, you really start digging into more things because you'll realize, okay, I'm going to look at this and I'm going to look at it and be like, okay, this is what's in, what is in it. Are there certain things that I may react to? And then when you start thinking about it more, you'll realize and be able to put together pieces for your own body and be like, oh, okay, I ate this. This is how I felt afterwards. And then if you have something similar again, you could say there might be a correlation between this item and how I feel. So maybe this specific food for me isn't, you know, causes inflammation because not every single person is going to have the same response. Mm -hmm. So that's also very important for people to realize. That's exactly right. And when I was out in Minnesota, Dr. Schmo did a full blood panel. So he, he tests all the blood to make sure he's a, he does therapy for brain injury and concussion and other things like that, neurological things. But he also checks your blood to make sure there's nothing going on. All my blood work came back. Okay. Except for it showed that I had some inflammation. And so that's something that I learned. Oh, wow. Like this inflammation could be contributing to my headaches and my brain fog and how I'm feeling throughout the day. So I've been trying to eat more anti-inflammatory. I'm not perfect. I still, <laughs> I'm still working on it, but I will say like, I, I went to my friend's baby shower. I think it was two weeks ago, two weekends ago. And she had cupcakes there and I was like, it looked really good. And I was like, you know what? I hadn't really been eating like that. But I was like, this looks amazing. And I ate the cupcake and it tasted good. And I don't regret it one bit. But I felt awful afterwards. And I used to be able to eat sugar like and not think about it. And it was so interesting because what you just said about realizing like, I don't regret it. I'm not shaming myself for it. It, That's another thing you have to kind of walk that fine line. Um, But I realized it was like a self-awareness moment when I was like, that cupcake was super delicious, but I felt awful afterwards. And the next day, I just felt like my body was like sluggish. It was like a really, really good big cupcake with a filling. It was from a bakery. (laughs) It was like one of those like on cupcake wars, like gourmet. So like, I don't even know how much sugar was in that. I don't know if I want to know, but I had not been eating much sugar. So my body was like, Christabel, we don't like this. What's happening? And um, it really affected me because I was like, whoa, I used to eat sugar all the time. And maybe I felt awful all the time, not realizing it was from the sugar. Well, and that's huge. What you just said is you didn't realize that maybe you had felt that way, you know, And that's what I think about is a lot of people don't realize how good that they are destined to feel because a lot of the stuff that we're inundated with as far as food and commercials and things like that is stuff that our body really doesn't want and highly processed foods come with chemicals. And that's that whole revelation of you saying, wow, I didn't realize how much of an impact it had. And you don't regret it, but you now you might think about it next time and say, okay, I will have some of the cupcake, but maybe I won't have as much. So you're still allowing yourself. Yeah. Or I'll just know that I'll feel awful afterwards and eat it anyway. <laughs> yeah. But you, you still had that realization of, okay, yeah. I do this and I will feel this way. So that piece to me is huge because that was a moment for me that took years so for you to already realize that I think is awesome and to be open to that and be like, okay, I don't regret it. It is what it is, but this is what might happen if I continue to do that. Yeah. I also have been changing out my personal care products, starting small, like you said. So I changed out my deodorant last summer from, I was using like your typical anti 
antiperspirant that everyone uses off the shelf. And I switched to try natural deodorant. The one that I found that I like is Lumi. It's, okay. it's like a cream. It's not a stick. It's it's not your normal texture. So you still sweat, but it doesn't really smell. So the way they advertise it is it targets the bacteria that causes odor. But I like it a lot. It's I think I have felt a difference. I also switched out my shampoo and conditioner. I still have some makeup. I'm just going bits at a time. So when my foundation runs out, I'm going to try and buy better foundation, just doing it that way instead of fully getting rid of stuff all at the same time. And it seems to be helping. And I just like being more aware that I'm taking control of what is around me because having a brain injury for so long, it's just... I've been dealing with it over a decade, and once I found out there's something, even a little bit, I can do that can help myself feel better in my daily life, I think that's what you were addressing as well. There are simple things that could really help change part of your quality of life, and nutrition is huge because food fuels our body and our environment is huge. So I appreciate all that you have to share. I've learned a lot from you, so I'm really glad you're on this podcast sharing today. So something else that I wanted to ask and something that I've been interested in and that I've seen you share about before is the body's physical response to trauma, how emotional trauma and certain situations can affect your body physically. So I wanted to ask you your perspective on that and see what you had to share. Now, I won't have like an incredibly scientific explanation. There are more scientific explanations. I stick to very, you know, basic explanations. But if you had asked me a couple years ago, if there's a correlation between emotional feelings, and that could be trauma related or not, and physical symptoms within your body, I would have thought someone was crazy. I was like, there's no way. It's like you talk about your feelings, and then they, you know, they're gone or you've moved past them. But what I've realized lately is that my body, along with anyone else's body, if there's an emotion that I haven't processed or worked through, that my body can store that emotion, whether I'm aware of it or not. So whether I know it on a subconscious level or not, it is still within my body and it can cause physical symptoms. And so I've learned this lately by working with Twin Life Chiropractic, which is um, Dr. Schmo's wife and her twin sister, and they do something called morphogenic field technique. And I've shared a little bit on my Instagram page. So if someone has questions about it later, there's um, an explanation of it. But basically, your cells can remember any physical or emotional trauma that happens to you, and that can be stored within your body. And so I realized lately that I've been working through a lot of fear based thinking and a lot of feelings around um, not being in control. And I thought I had worked past that in reference to my chronic illness and all the years of fear of will I get better or, you know, I'm in remission now, but will I relapse? Or the feelings of, okay, like you said earlier, I can't control the physical things sometimes within my body, but I can control this. So um, with working with Twin Life Chiropractic, we'll do different things. And there's different points on your body, pulse points that you can breathe through to help release things. So what I'll do is if I feel a moment of tension, I will touch my different pulse points on my wrist. And then I'll think, okay, I'm acknowledging this feeling. Now, whether or not I know what that feeling is, I just will stop and I'll say, I acknowledge this feeling. I'm going to allow my body to feel this feeling. And then I'm going to allow my body to release it if it doesn't serve me positively. And so that's another way to help me kind of reset and bring my body down. But also MFT, they will do different things to help my body release them. So the best way I can explain what happens in like a session is either Dr. Aaron or Dr. Elizabeth at one point was pressing within my abdomen. And I'm like, that really hurts. Like, what is that? And they were pressing and they were like, okay, we're going to talk about the feeling of lack of control. And I was like, okay. And I'm thinking like, yeah, I've dealt with this. Like I'm good. I've got, I'm in remission. I've got everything, you know, on the right track. And she's like, I want you to think about what it feels like when you were really sick and there was a lack of control. And by her saying that in that moment, I physically was brought back to a lot of physical symptoms wow. and I physically felt awful. 
And it, it was the craziest thing. It brought me right back to where I was at my worst. And then it was like all of a sudden, and then she's touching my abdomen and all of a sudden she, it felt like she took a lump of sludge. And I know that sounds really crazy and really silly, but it literally felt like she took a ball out of my abdomen and plopped it on the floor because all of a sudden those feelings went away and I could breathe. It was like this instant sense of relief. Wow. Emotions and trauma and all of that is so connected. That's, that's really interesting. Thanks for sharing. Yeah. And within my Lyme journey, I would see all these people that were in remission or really close to remission. They always talked about if you don't address the emotions within healing, that you'll never fully get better. And I was like, I don't get that. I don't understand that. But I wasn't close enough yet to be able to understand that because in my moment, in my world, it was based on the physical symptoms. So the closer I got to healing the physical symptoms, the more I realized that I needed to heal my emotional self to fully heal and move past being sick. And that came with acknowledging all those feelings that I had from being sick acknowledging where I'm at now and then being able to move forward with them. That's huge. That is so huge. And so many people don't, including myself, don't really think about the relationship with the emotional and the truly physical side of your body, but it's all contained within your body. And when you realize like there's research out there and and everyone kind of hears that stress affects your body, you know, stress can releases certain things. And I'm not, I'm not a a nutritional specialist. so I don't know exactly what (laughs) what I'm saying, but um, generally like I've kind of always known that stress can make you feel sick and it makes you have a hard time sleeping. And you you could even run a fever from overstress if your body is just, you know, like that. But realizing that trauma and those, that kind of um, emotion can actually physically affect your body is really big when it comes to healing because we do have to address those things. We have to ask the hard questions. We have to work through it and we have to learn how to move forward. But often that does take going back and grieving and addressing what's happened, processing through it, whether it's with a friend, with a family member, with your mom, with um, a therapist, but really working through your emotions and realizing how your body feels and acknowledging that as well. Yeah. And I think the hard part for me was within society, talking about feelings and emotions has a negative stigma or connotation around it. And to me, that's one of the strongest and bravest things you can do is to talk about your emotions and be open with them instead of stuffing them in. And I, hope that more people are open to that and that doesn't make you a weak person having to confide in someone or you know go see someone to talk to that to me is a sign of true strength and wanting to work through things and being vulnerable I think is brave it definitely is brave because it's hard to address emotions (laughs) oh yes to have to go back there or work through them or understand why you're thinking or reacting the way you are. I mean, you get to some real hard truths or you may look back at childhood and realize some things of you're responding this way because of certain situation that happened years ago that you thought, oh, I was fine. And, you know, that didn't impact me. But really, sometimes things can really impact and shape who you are now. Yeah, that's really important. Um, I, I wanted to ask you about habits. So, and I'm asking this a little bit selfishly because <laughs> I, I've i been really working on my habits. I've decided like 2020 is the year I change my habits. And I, I have that like thing in my mind, change your habits, change your life. <laughs> like, but I really think that's kind of true. I've been trying to implement simple things like going to sleep earlier and waking up earlier. I used to just stay up late for no reason. The last couple weeks, I've been going to sleep earlier And I feel totally different throughout my day. And this weekend, I I had three nights in a row where I stayed up later. So Friday night, my sister had an orchestra concert. And um, I actually didn't go because I was having a really bad headache. But she got home kind of late. And we were up talking. She was telling me all about it. 
Saturday night, I went to see one of my friends do a concert, support her. She's a singer-songwriter as well. And then last night was the Super Bowl of when we're recording this, by the way. (laughs) This will come out like next week. But (laughs) I stayed up to watch the Super Bowl. And then I noticed today I felt awful. And I'm like, wow, those that habit, that simple habit has changed a lot for me. So what are some simple things people can implement? Maybe even nutritionally, like what's one simple thing they could add, like a habit throughout their day that you can suggest to listeners to try and begin to start changing their, their life? From a nutritional standpoint, I would suggest looking at your sugar intake. Um, that was a big one for me. I never realized how much sugar I was intaking because sugar is in a lot, well, essentially almost every product. So look at your sugar intake because there's also, I think it's 30 to 40, maybe even more, different names for sugar. So you could look at something and it may not actually say sugar or cane sugar, but it still has sugar in the form of like maltodextrin or something else. So for me, learning that was huge so then I could cut sugar down to the best of my ability, as well as just drinking more water. Something as simple as that, drinking more water and depending on preference and availability, looking into a good water filter. And another thing for me, just for spiritual and emotional and even physical awareness was learning that it's okay to say no to things. When I was in the midst of healing, I really told myself, okay, I'm going to take a full year and all my focus is going to be on getting to remission, which means I will work and then everything outside of work will be dedicated to healing. And then once I got to remission, I realized that, okay, even saying no to certain things, I have to put myself first where if a certain situation may put me back a few days, kind of like you mentioned, where if I'm staying out late, then the next few days at work are going to be harder. So I learned that it's okay if I say, nope, I'm not going to go out to dinner or do that tonight because it will mean that tomorrow I'm really tired. Or, you know, I have two, two things in a row during the week. And I need that third day just to rest and breathe. And that that's okay. And that doesn't make me a bad friend or a bad person. It's just that I have to put my physical needs first and my spiritual and emotional needs first. So if it's a situation that I don't feel will benefit me or that might cause stress or things like that, that it's okay to just say, I appreciate the invite, but I can't make it. That's really good advice. And that's definitely something we talk about on Hope After Head Injury when it comes to being a brain injury survivor, but I think it is applicable to every single person. Mm -hmm. And it's hard. Yeah. It's okay to say no. And when you say no to something, you're saying yes to something else. So like if I say no to this overwhelming activity, I'm saying yes to my brain and my body healing Yes, and rest. And so try and look at it that way and keep that mindset that it's okay. I I love that. That's great advice. That's great advice. And it's not easy, but I promise you that it does get easier and those around you that truly understand what you're going through, they will be okay with it. And sometimes they'll even say, oh, hey, do you just want to sit at home and hang out? And little things like that will bring you closer to those in your circle because they'll realize that, okay, I'm just going to take it easy. And so sometimes I would say, you're welcome to come over and just hang out in sweats with me and you know, just chat because to me, I could do that. It wasn't physically overexerting myself. But yet I still had that communication, that relationship building happening. Yeah, that's really, really good. Or even just FaceTiming with someone instead of going out in public. Yep, that's huge too. So Ashley, is there anything else you want to share that I have not asked you yet? Um, I would just say, you know your body. So if you have anyone doubting you of what you're going through, I know it's really hard in the moment to continually fight and continually find things that might help you, but you are your best health advocate, and it's okay to ask questions. It's okay for you to look at alternative treatments and say, okay, would this benefit me? And then asking hard questions to you know whoever it is to try to get answers because you know what's going on within your body. You know what's quote-unquote normal or not normal. You know if something's amiss. So it's okay. Just keep fighting for yourself. That is great. Thank you for saying that. And that's what Declaration Life is all about, living with purpose and intention and knowing that you can be your own advocate. I love that. 
Well, and another thing is you are worth feeling better. I say a lot of times you're worth remission, but for this audience, it's the same idea. You are worth feeling better and you deserve to feel better because you deserve that chance at life again. So please, please don't give up. I'm not saying it's going to be easy, but keep fighting. Surround yourself with those who um, understand what you're going through. So say for me, I reached out to people with Lyme on Instagram. So if you have another chronic illness, find those online that you can chat with that get it. If you have a concussion, TBI, reach out to those in that community so that you have someone who understands what it's like in that moment. And you guys can bounce ideas off of each other or just give each other hope. Yep. I completely agree. That's why I have hope after head injury. Yep. (laughs) You can join our Facebook group, hope after head injury for sure. Yeah. Yes. And that's so important to have that community with you. Yep. I a hundred percent agree. So thank you, Ashley. This has been amazing. I so appreciate you coming on here and sharing all this. Well, thank you. And I'm so proud of you. And it's so fun to see all these fun things coming out. And I don't think you truly understand the huge, huge impact you are making on those with concussions and TBIs. Because just from what I've learned, it's not something that is well known in, you know, out in the community yet. It's not something that is always taken seriously or that people are aware of. So what you're doing is really helping those that don't have any other ideas and you're sharing that and giving them hope and knowing that there is a group that supports them. Oh, thank you. (laughs) I appreciate that. Anytime. So how can people connect with you if they want more information or they have questions for you on the things that you shared about, how can they get in touch? So right now, Instagram is the main way. I don't have a um, website or anything. I know a lot of people have asked, but I've just been trying to still allow myself to heal. So right now, Instagram is the main place. My username, I will spell it because it was my old college name from an email and I just haven't found a good name yet. So it is O-L-S-O-2214. That's easy enough. Yeah. (laughs) And I'll put it in the, um, I'll put it in the podcast information as well. Yep. And I share a lot of information on there in the highlight bubbles So a lot of times people will be like, well, what does she actually eat? So I started trying to take pictures of what I eat or products I buy, or even there's a highlight bubble called educate yourself with random facts that I found that I wish I knew sooner. So the highlight bubbles will have a lot of kind of random information for those that are wanting to dig into specific topics. I have to say, I, um, when you posted the vital proteins collagen, from Costco. Yeah. I had already like, I'd kind of known what collagen was, but I didn't really know what about it. And then I was at Costco with my mom and I saw it. And because you had posted a picture of it, <laughs> I was like, mom, we should get this. <laughs> and so we did. It, but it's and, amazing when you can find it at Costco. I know. So I literally like, I started uh, drinking it in the morning in my tea or putting it in green smoothies. And I feel totally different. That is awesome. It really, it's really helped my body to feel good. And I know that as a fact, because we got one of those tubs and then we ran out and we didn't have any for a week. And then that week I was like, why do I feel so weird? Like, why don't I feel as good as I've been feeling? And we got the collagen again. And then I started feeling better. <laughs> that was your body's so, way of saying, okay, I need more of that. And yeah, that's another great point is that you were listening to your body and what it needed. And you're realizing, okay, it wants more of that. That is helping it. Yeah. It's just learning. And this is new for me because after my TBI, I couldn't listen to my body. All I, all I felt was pain. Yep. And even up until I went to see Dr. Schmo last May, I was not good at listening to my body. This is like a brand new journey for me. Like the last six months or so, actually having the ability to listen to my body and feel how it feels because before that, I just constantly, I I was so confused. I never knew how I felt. I always had headaches. I felt so off and going to the Functional Neurology Center changed my life, even in in ways like this. So it's just been really interesting. So if you're, you're earlier on your journey, if you have a concussion or TBI or whatever you're going through, if you have trouble listening to your body, I just encourage like taking deep breaths and just really trying to reflect at the end of the day, think about what you've eaten, think about how much water you drank that day, and just start to pay attention to those signals. Even keeping a symptom journal is helpful. Yes. Like you said about when you first went to see your doctors, you wrote down every day what your temperature was and things like that. 
that can just be really helpful with self-awareness and just try and implement some little things, little bits at a time. Yes. And when you described like those physical symptoms, it is so hard in that moment, like you said, because you have so many physical symptoms. So for me, until I was able to peel the onion apart and get rid of some of those symptoms, that's when I was really able to start being more in tune with my body and putting pieces together of what I ate and how things impacted me or how different chemicals and products impacted me. So like you said, start slow and do what you can and know that at the beginning, you may not be able to notice those little shifts, but eventually your body will thank you and you'll get to the point where all of a sudden it's like, wow, I noticed that. Or I felt this part of my body didn't hurt for the first time in a long time. Or I realized that symptom wasn't normal. Because I think so often in a chronic illness journey, we are so used to physical pain that we just think that's the norm or that has become our norm. So when you start to get rid of a few symptoms, you can really look back and go, wow, that wasn't normal and I got rid of that symptom. So what else can I help my body with and what other symptoms can I get rid of? That's really good. I I can relate to that too because my brain, I felt brain fog. I felt awful all the time for my TBI Mm -hmm. and I would have a, I would start to get sick or I'd have like a fever and I wouldn't even realize because I'm so used to feeling awful. And so I totally know what that's like, but yeah, it's good. Mm -hmm. Be more self-aware, know that you're worth, would you say you're worth? Um, Normally I say you're worth getting to remission, but just in this situation, encompassing everyone, you are worth your health and you are worth getting better and you're worth, you know, either you can look at it as restarting your life or just living again. That's so good. Living. All right. Yep. You're you're worth living. You are worth living. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. Well, thank you, Ashley. We're about out of time. I really appreciate you coming on here. No, thank you. It was a pleasure. I appreciate it. Thanks for listening. And we'll see you next time on Declaration Life. Would love to connect with you on Instagram at Declaration Life or at ChristabelBraden.com slash Declaration Life. Join us every Monday and Thursday as we explore what it means to live a Declaration Life.